Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Hi, I'm Ashley McRae, third-year medical student at the NYIT-COM Arkansas campus, and I'm your host for our newest podcast, Helpful Advice and Tips for Incoming First-Year Medical Students. I'm joined by two medical students and two of our administrative deans. We have Dr. William Blazy, Associate Dean of Academic Affairs and NYIT-COM alumnus, and Dr. Kristen Cohen, Associate Dean of Student Administration. From our New York campus, we have second year medical student, Isabella Lombardi. And from our Arkansas campus, we have fourth year medical student, Abu Bakar Malik. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm gonna ask a few questions about adjusting to your new life in medical school. So for the incoming first year students, is there something specific you wish you knew before starting medical school? Abu or Isabelle, you can take this one. I can start us off. Um, I think that the orientation into uh, starting NYIT-COM really prepared me for what to expect academically. But from a personal note, I definitely wish I came in with a little more confidence. I think that everyone comes in um, a little intimidated. It took a long time to get here and we all worked really hard, but I definitely wish I had a little more confidence. So that's something that um, to all the incoming students, you know, just believe in yourself and we're all here for a reason. And I definitely am grateful for, you know, all of the academic orientation we had, though. And my experience is very similar to Isabel's in terms of academics. I knew exactly what to expect, that it's going to be tough. And there's not that many different ways they can that things can be tough. But outside of just school, like, I came right out of undergrad. So there were so many people from different walks of life that will be attending medical school with me people who have kids, people who have been out of undergrad for a couple of years, and then people just like me who came straight out of just undergrad without taking any breaks or gap years. Yeah, thank you both for sharing that with us. I definitely agree. I think that when you come into something with confidence or lack thereof, you've already lost. You have to make sure that you go in and believe that you can do it because that's going to make all the difference. Your mindset is where it starts. So if you could do something differently from your first year experience, what would you change? I will say this question's interesting because I am actually doing my first year of medical school for the second time. And I think it speaks to Abu's point because people come from different backgrounds and people come straight through. Everyone who comes in has a story. So for any first year medical student, no matter what brought you here, know that you belong here and that you've earned your place in this class. So again, come in with confidence. And I think if there's anything I changed this time, it was that. It was coming in with confidence and with an open mind to learn from the people in the classes ahead of me and from my professors. Does anyone else have anything to add? Yes, Isabel. I'll also add um, to Ashley's point. I think that if I could go back, I would just appreciate the journey a little more. I think we get a little caught up in when's the next set of comps, which is our week of exams. And I wish I, at the beginning of each block, I took a little more appreciation into whatever system we were learning or whatever 
biochemistry we were learning instead of thinking about when's the next test because all the information we're learning is important. And so I think having more, you know, appreciation along the way and not just thinking about the next set of exams. I love that. Great point. Abu? Yeah, and I wanted to agree with everything that's been said. I think anxiety is like the silent killer in medical school. Like you're studying, but then in the back of your head, you're always like, am I doing enough to just pass? Because that's all I need. Um, and that could be really that could be really detrimental to not only your mental health, but then also your school performance. So I wish I knew just ways to handle my stress a little bit better. Um, first year, you're juggling a ton of things. You're doing anatomy lab and then also just getting adjusted to a new environment. And then also just getting adjusted to having new people around you and new friends. Keeping that anxiety at bay, keeping all of those negative thoughts out of your mind and going in with positivity, I think that would be just like the biggest thing I would have changed. Yes, thank you both. I agree. I think your mindset makes all of the difference. How do you recall the first year of medical school differing from undergrad and what helped you adapt? I'll say for me, it was the level of material and the amount of material. For undergrad, I remember sitting in my first immunology session and in the first two hours, we covered everything that I covered in one semester <laughs> with immunology. So it's the, the thing that we all hear about drinking water from a fire hose. But I think when you come in and you're passionate about it, then you're able to manage it a little bit better. Um, but I think the amount of material, just understanding, wrapping my mind around, that was the biggest difference from undergrad specifically. I agree with that as well. I went to a huge undergrad campus. I went to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. It's about uh, 35,000 undergrads. And then coming here to Arkansas, the sister campus, and seeing not as many people, but knowing that every single person is of the same exact like caliber in terms of just knowledge and understanding of medicine and their goals. I remember just thinking how like that was a lot different from the people in my major in undergrad who had like different like end goals. Um, not everyone wanted to be a physician. People wanted to go into like lab work and research. But what helped me adapt was becoming very friendly with these people and creating study groups and kind of learning how they study and just like bouncing off of their ideas and stuff. So I think that really helped me adapt. Dr. Cohen and Dr. Blazy, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I'll echo everything that you guys have said already in that I think the volume of information that medical students have to cover is incredibly uh, large as compared to the undergraduate. And it is drinking from the fire hose. You guys are gonna hear that all the time. Uh, and Dr. Blazy can speak a little bit more about how you manage the academic piece. For me though, I think what I've found has been really helpful with first year students is that connecting into the community. Abu Bakr said, you know, I found a group of people I could study with that have different learning styles and that can contribute to my learning. I think that is one of the ways that medical school can differ tremendously from undergraduate in that sense of small group learning where people teach each other things about the um, curriculum and that helps with the learning. So uh, I'm not a, a physician. I have a doctoral degree, but it's not medicine. But the volume of information is true of, of most graduate programs. You're getting deeper into the field than you ever did as an undergraduate. 
And I found in my own career that if I didn't connect with others in the field and, and learn from them as much as myself, I couldn't cover all the information on my own. I needed others to be able to delve into some of these areas and help me understand the concepts that we were discussing in the class. And that's true of medical school as well. I agree. And I, I think one, you can't underestimate the power of small group work or making a small group of colleagues from the class to work with because the content is so heavy and the range is very wide. And so one of my pieces of advice that I usually tell first year students is that it's okay not to understand everything right on that first shot. Um, sometimes it takes two or three passes of looking through the material before you really get it. But um, understanding that the level and the depth that we're gonna start going into medical school is deeper than you've ever done before. But, and that sounds like it could be really challenging, but what I would say is that our graduates are successful. It speaks for itself that you'll get through it. And um, I know from my perspective, when I was a first and second year medical student, it seemed overwhelming. Like I'd never get to know all this information. And then one day it just clicks. As soon as it clicks, it, you're just like, why did it take me so long? But it's just part of the process. And then you get out into practice and I'll, I'll admit, I still use stuff from year one and two when my patients come in and they say, I looked up something on the portal and I Googled it and how does this work? And uh, I have to still know the stuff. So the information that you're gonna be learning is important. Um, it's doable. It, it's just a lot of work. I would say it's almost like training for an athletic event. You schedule your time and you know you work with a small group of people that are going to be positive and also honest with you and help you walk through the process. Thank you both for your contributions. It is definitely doable and you will get through it. Speaking of it starting to click, what would you say is the biggest difference between first year and second year? I can start this one off. And honestly, this should have been a point that I started with a lot earlier. Um, so I was a part of the COVID class. My first year of medical school was very different than other people's first year of medical school and what the incoming classes first year is going to be like and what my second year was like. Everything was almost completely online, except for a lot of my labs in my first year. I got really used to studying just at home or at the library six feet apart, social distancing. But you get used to just a lot of independence and then going to your second year. I went to more of like a normal environment of just um, classes still being online, but a lot more labs in person. And that ended up being a bit more challenging for me. However, I don't see that being much of an issue for this new incoming class since they'll be getting used to that from the very beginning. And what would you say is the biggest challenge of your first year and how did you overcome it? Isabel, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I'm happy to start this off. Um, I think that for me, the biggest challenge was transitioning from foundations to systems. So just for a little context at, at NYIT.com, you have your first semester, which is more foundations. So that's the biochemistry, anatomy, um, intro to pharmacology, and then it moves into systems based. And uh, for my year, it started off with neuro. And I think that that transition for me was the biggest challenge because it went from each lecture being somewhat individual, even though they still had a theme, to having a whole five weeks dedicated to one area of 
the body, even though everything is connected, it, you know, was focusing on the brain, for example, in January, and that kind of changed how I had to study. So I would just recommend uh, trying to get a study system that works for you uh, down pat as early as you can, but also don't force it. Um, and I did learn that, you know, I had something that worked for me in foundations, and I did have to adapt it to systems you know, to the new way of how the blocks were going to work. But I think that finding a study strategy early that works for you and also asking questions like Abu said earlier, I found a study group that works for me as well. So I would always go to them with questions and we'd work together to work through a concept that was more challenging working with others, but also adjusting your own study strategies that helped me, you know, overcome the transition to systems. Definitely. Being willing to adapt. That's something we're going to have to do throughout our careers anyway, so we might as well start now. And I like to echo study groups are super important. That's something that as an undergrad, you can kind of manage on your own. At least I know most of us did. And here, I love that this school emphasized the importance of study groups early on. So that's something I, I did first year and carried into second year. So I want to know how you all think students can manage imposter syndrome. And my additional question to Dr. Blasey and Dr. Cohen, why do you think medical students are more prone to suffer from imposter syndrome? It's okay, I'll take this one first. Um, having been there, I totally get the idea of imposter syndrome and being a faculty member and an administrator, I still feel it at times. So I think it's just a normal part of being in the medical profession. And so from my perspective, one of the challenges that happens is as an undergrad, all the incoming students and all the students that are currently in the school, they were all top 10% of the class from high school to college. You were always the best in your class. And now we pull together over 300 people that were the best in the class and they're all with each other. So the average person in the class is that now like you, you now become an average person in your cohort of people. And so I think that's why we see a lot of imposter syndrome in medical school. I think one of the ways to combat that is just to accept it, is to accept that it's just normal now to feel average. I know when I look around and I see what my fellow faculty members are doing research-wise, and I see them publish in like like ma major journals like science and other uh, journals. And I say to myself, I've never done that, but I can accept it and be happy for them. The other thing I think that's really key with imposter syndrome is to still maintain your outside world of friends. Your friend group is going to become your peers in medical school. But if you can retain a few of your friends from outside of medical school, just to be part of your support group, they'll kind of cheer you on and say, hey, that's really amazing. Like, I can't believe you got through dissecting the whole human being and knowing all the bones in the body um, as an accomplishment. But to your peers, it's going to feel like I didn't know uh, this process on this bone and I, I must feel so stupid right now. And I, I think it's just celebrate those small wins. Um, it's going to be normal to feel just average at this point. Yeah, I echo everything that Dr. Blasey said. In my conversations with medical students, I think what I hear a lot is 
they're uh, coming to grips with the volume of information and the complexity of the information that they're asked to cover. And I don't know a single doctoral student that along the way doesn't say, what am I doing? Do I really belong here? Is this for me? Because it's hard. It's really hard. But you can do it. And nobody 10 years into your career is going to ask you what your exam score on your foundations of medicine exam one was. Thank you so much. That's so true. Uh, when they say comparison is a thief of joy, it's, it's true. And when I say that this is my second first year of medical school, it's not that I redid my first year in this program. I started fresh and it's something that I've become very proud of because I'm grateful to be here. And so I want to speak to the incoming first year student who had a journey before they're starting this new journey. And just to say that you belong, you matter, and you can do it. And I just want to ask before we move on, what can students do to effectively work through these types of feelings of feeling inadequate? I can touch a little bit on that. I'm not no LeBron James. I love that MBA reference by um, Dean Cohen. My first exam of medical school, I failed it. And I remember sitting in class, we were in OMM lab when our results came out. And I remember checking my score and then immediately everyone was like, hey, what'd you get? Did you pass? Like, how'd it go? And I was so close to passing. And I remember just like looking around me and thinking, I'm nothing like these people. Like everyone is so happy. They're smiling and like super excited about their scores. And then here I am just like in the corner of the room, kind of trying to hide the fact that I've just failed like my first exam. And then I started getting these just waves of just like imposter syndrome. Like oh, I probably shouldn't be here. I should have taken like a gap year, um, worked on like some academic related knowledge stuff before coming into medical school. What was I thinking? And my advice for people who feel like that is that you need to acknowledge the fact that you're different from everyone. If you start off slower than than someone else, if you're not as smart as someone else, or if you feel not as capable as someone else, you need to acknowledge the fact that you're just on a different path. I remember taking those feelings of inadequacy and really using that as like a driving force for me. I remember sitting down and studying harder than I did that first month going into that exam. And I remember the second exam just knocking it out the park. And I was so happy. And when you get to the other side is when, you know, you feel comfortable being able to talk about it and you feel more comfortable with your shortcomings. And you're like, I felt this before and this isn't anything new to me. And I can move on from this. It's just another phase and keep your head up and you just make sure that you acknowledge the fact that you fell a little bit short, but it's not the end of the world. And Abu Bakr, I think that's an incredibly powerful message because you're a fourth year medical student now and you failed your first exam in medical school and you passed your complex level one on your first attempt and you've taken level two. I haven't gotten the scores back yet, but we've taken it and I hope you feel good about it. It can just show a first year student that one failure isn't the be all and end all in a medical school career. You can still be successful. You're about to apply for residency programs now one downturn, one failure, one repeat year isn't going to change your path necessarily. It's what you put into the rest of your experience that can help you overcome a failure. And I think pretty much if we polled every medical student in the medical school, they've experienced failure at some point in their four years. 
It may not be an exam. It may be a board exam. It could be a research project. It could be um, a clinical rotation but that didn't go as well as you had hoped it would. Um, everybody's going to experience failure at some point. It doesn't mean that your career is over. Thank you both for sharing. Abu, I appreciate your vulnerability because I think that it inspires others. Me as a third year student, I can't wait to be in your shoes. And so I, I think it's important to know that there's a difference between striving to be the best and striving to be your best. And so I want to ask, as we strive to be our best, Dr. Blazy, can you suggest any resources to help supplement the first year curriculum? Partly the challenge that happens in first years, there's just so much to kind of understand. And so I always try to tell students that are struggling um, to try to minimize the amount of resources they use, which sounds counterintuitive for the academic dean to say, don't use as many resources. But sometimes what I see happen is students will start looking everywhere for information. And instead, if you hone it into um, the resources that the faculty request students to read, so every lecture or activity will have a document that has the learning objectives and some resources that the faculty feel is important. Sometimes that can be a lot of information to take in, but oftentimes that will help hone you into what the faculty member thinks is really important. The other things I think are using things like Anki cards or other resources that students have developed in the past. My big caveat though, is if you use resources that other students have developed in the past that you wanna use, uh, make it your own. So add edits to it, be active with it. Don't try to learn it passively. There's still some benefit, I think, to writing notes uh, by hand into notebooks, or if you're gonna use a tablet, using the pen to write on the tablet. Instead of typing, there's some, there's a lot of science behind the tactile component of thinking, writing, and then reading from your own handwriting to kind of pull ideas together. But beyond the knowledge part, I would say there's a ton of resources here as well to support. We have academic enrichment specialists that their job is to figure out how to make schedules, how to help you learn material better. And so I always encourage students to make an appointment, even if they don't think they need it just to kind of have that enrichment specialist take a look at your study style. Maybe you're a visual learner, maybe you're an auditory learner, maybe some other way of learning. The other parts though, I think that are just as important are resources outside of academics. And I'll bounce over to Dr. Cohen, if that's okay uh, to talk about some of the other resources that the comm has. Yeah, thanks Dr. Blazy, glad to. One thing I always encourage first year students to do is to take a look at our counseling and wellness operation. Uh, you're gonna get to know them because they do lots of group activities and wellness programming throughout the year, but it may be helpful because we said earlier, medical school is stressful. Um, everybody's gonna struggle that first year to figure it all out. Um, having a one-on-one -on -one counseling session with one of our counselors on either campus would be beneficial, I think, for students. And we have three counselors in New York and two counselors in Arkansas that are available to help any student, whether it's one time or multiple times, to work through just the feelings about being in medical school. Stresses, time management, getting enough sleep, eating healthy, all of those things are going to contribute to your well-being in medical school and will help you learn 
better. If you stop sleeping, you stop eating, you're not getting any vitamin D from going outside and walking in the sunshine. Um, that can have an adverse impact on your ability to concentrate and to learn. So uh, if you find that you're kind of going into that mode of, of holding up in your apartment and only looking at an iPad 24 seven, talk to a counselor and, and make sure that you've got an appropriate balance in your life so that all of your areas of life feel healthy, not just your study hours. In addition, there's a lot of social activities that you can get involved in, things that make life in medical school a little bit easier help you identify that friend group that you're going to need throughout your four years to get through medical school. So get involved. You're not going to be able to have a lot of extra hours your first year, but there are morale activities. There's going and seeing a movie together. There's pizza parties and SGA activities. There are Registered student organizations you can get involved with. If you're particularly interested in women's health, you can get involved in OBGYN interest groups. You can get involved in uh, women in medicine. So there's a lot of other things that you can do that supplement your focus on the curriculum that can help you keep a balance in your life while you're in medical school. Thank you for sharing, Dr. Cohen. I think this is a great time to ask Isabel and Abu Bakr, how did you maintain your quality of life and balance while staying organized with the curriculum? Did you do your hobbies? Did you see family and friends? What did that look like for you? I'm happy to start us off. Um, I definitely still had time to see friends and family. And my one thing that was really important to me on staying on track was my calendar. I filled my calendar uh, with my academic schedule first, but always made time for breaks, for lunch. I live um, near the beach here on Long Island, so I scheduled time to go on walks. And I just made sure that I was taking care of myself and I always got eight hours of sleep. I made sure sleep was a main priority for me as well. The thing that kept me in check with the rigorous study schedule was, you know, having a calendar that prioritized academics, but then also prioritized my own uh, mental health and well-being. I still had time to go to my cousin's wedding, to go to family functions, while keeping the medical school academics as my priority. I have to agree with everything that Isabel said. It's really important to make sure that you handle everything outside of school as well. I know there's been a lot of basketball references already. My first year, up until even this year, played a lot of basketball, went to gym a lot. It's really good for your mental health, well-being. You know, we actually actively participated in the intramural team as well here on the Arkansas State campus or like the intramural league. And our medical school only basketball team or medical student only basketball team made it to the super championship this year. As you can tell, we've all kind of been grinding really hard at the gym the first couple of years and it and that pays off too just like school does so make sure that you keep all those hobbies in check just because you're in medical school doesn't mean that all those things need to be put on pause and you need to be studying 24 7. I can't agree more your mindset matters and your habits matter so I think one of the best things about being in medical school with all the people who have been my classmates you're all extraordinary at something specific outside of studying so make time for that thing that you do love and make time for the people who support you that are not here in medical school with you. 
I'd like to just follow up on what Isabel and Abu said. If you treat medical school like your job, right? You have certain things that you have to do. You have to go to class. You have to go to lab. You've got to study the material. You've got to get prepared for your exams. You've got milestones along the way that you have to meet. If you take that seriously and, and build schedules around how to accomplish those, so you break this massive pizza pie down to small manageable bites, then you can get through it without too many challenges, right? And on the flip side, it's unlike undergraduate where you can maybe not go to a lab once or twice because you don't feel great that day. This is your job. You have to show up and do the work because in medical school, if you miss something, you fall behind really super fast. So taking it seriously, doing, you know, following the curriculum and doing the requirements as they come is super important to stay on top of. And when you schedule yourself out so that you make sure you've accomplished that and you're doing your job, then you know you've got your not work hours where you can see your significant other or you can go to a movie or you can head out to dinner and celebrate the fact that everybody uh, took a comprehensive exam and got through it. And those are important too. And I think that's why I see medical students graduating with incredibly tight connections with others in their class because they've shared the challenges of their day job and they've also celebrated their accomplishments and got to know them as individuals and friends. I'm sure Dr. Blasey has several members of his class that he stays in touch with to this day because medical school is that kind of environment and you get to know people so incredibly well. I agree. I, I can't say it better. I, I, I went to several of my classmates' uh, weddings. I'm involved with several of their families. It, it becomes like family to you, especially if you uh, do residency afterward with a, a couple of them. Uh, they become like family members to you. I think one of the last comments I would kind of share, uh, you had asked about if we have advice for that last little uh, group. I would say try to balance as best as you can but don't hang yourself up on having that perfect school life balance. I think in some ways, the idea that you can have a perfect balance, it can make you more stressed. And just understanding that medical school is going to throw everything off of balance in the way that you used to think of it. But in a sense, being able to put your priority on medical school for the next four years can kind of also be a gift in a sense to yourself. And one th way that I did it during medical school is I would get asked to go to family weddings and life events. And I finally said to my family at one point, I can't go because I have an exam coming up next week and I really need this weekend to study. And what was kind of interesting is the response I got back after I said that about one of my uh, uncle's weddings was that they all said, wow, medical school must be really important then. And uh, I think what was interesting was it, it made my family realize how intense medical school was. And after that, instead of being asked to go, I would get informed of weddings and events coming up. And the, the request would be, if you can come, we'd love to have you, but you don't need to be here for this. We know you're doing something that's gonna be really important for yourself, but also for people in the future. So 
that was kind of a learning moment for me was to get that moment from my family. I definitely agree. I think that letting people know what you're doing helps your support system be that much stronger. And then when you are able to make it to some of those significant life events, it makes it that much more sweet, knowing that you've got school down pat and you're able to enjoy that time with your family and friends. And I just like to say my last piece of advice is find a mentor and stay involved in mentor mentee relationships, because with mentees, it helps you remember how far you've come and it gives you that extra encouragement to keep going. At least I know it does for me. That's why I'm so open and transparent with my journey. And then find mentors because you'd be surprised how open people are doctors, especially about what their journey was like, a time they didn't do well in a class, a time where they were nervous and they shared those same feelings as you did. So I think that that's something to be involved in and make sure that you do the thing that you love, make time. Like Isabel said, she goes to the park or she goes to the beach. I go to the park <laughs> down here at our Arkansas campus. That's my relief. And I make sure that I write. That's my hobby. So I just want to thank Abu Bakar Malik and Isabel Lombardi for coming out and sharing your journey with us. And thank you so much to Dr. Blazy and Dr. Cohen for making time in your schedule for this discussion. I think this has been super helpful. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in today into the first years. Good luck. You got this. <laughs>